three, two, one. Hello, hello, welcome everybody to episode 153 of the No Normal Show, brought to you by Revive. This is where we leave all things status quo, traditional, old school, boring, oh, I almost said Dolly Parton, I won't go there, sorry, in the dust, and celebrate the new, the powerful, the innovative, the future. Also Dolly Parton, let me see if I can save myself, all related to how brands can lead the way in health. I am your co-host, Chris Bevelo. Chief Brand Officer at Revive. I am joined by co-host Stephanie Weirwell, who is SVP of Integrated Marketing at Revive. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Chris. I almost waved to you out of practice and then realized uh, no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I felt the wave. I felt it through the, through the internet. We also have our other co-host, Des Duncan, VP of Health Equity and Inclusion at Revive. Hello, Des. Hello. Good to see you. And also Luke McCandless, Growth and Brand Coordinator, who's our show's producer. Hey, Luke. Hello, hello. All right. We're all here. We have a great, we're going to talk about the, what we've termed the AOW group, which will explain what AOW means. Um, just think when you stub your toe or you shut your finger in the car door. It's a good way to think about these folks. But before we get to AOW, let's talk about Dolly Parton? Anyone? Always. All day. National Treasure. If you are not a Dolly Parton fan, please unfollow, unsubscribe for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So give me some. I, I hear about the Dolly Parton love. Um, I kind of understand it. I'm not a Dolly Parton follower, I'm not a hater. So should, should we set up maybe why we're talking about Dolly Parton yeah. first and then we can do our love <laughs> yeah. fest? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I'll read, I'll do the headline and then others can weigh in. So, so there's new news that Taco Bell for its relaunch of Mexican pizza, which we can talk about why that's so important. Big deal in the internet world that Mexican pizza is coming back. It's been heavily asked for. So to, to launch it, they are having a TikTok musical with Dolly Parton. And that musical will be premiering on May 26th. And they've already shared some really fun tidbits of people who are auditioning. Well, theoretically, I, I guess this is real. I'm not sure. People who are auditioning to be fire sauce packet number one. Um, but it's created a lot of big news. And it's a really fun marketing tactic for a new product launch or re-product launch. Okay, that's the headline. Discuss. I, the like social zeitgeist just imploded. Like you just referenced... Like Dolly Parton, Taco Bell, Mexican pizza, <laughs> TikTok, all in one breath. That's just how iconic and relevant Dolly Parton is. Like she's part of the zeitgeist. She always will be, always has been. End of story. Wow. And so tell me more about your Dolly Parton love. Um, it's a it's really just, I mean, as a native Tennessean, it's really just a appreciation that flows through my veins um i'm not a huge country music listener however the podcast that was about her called dolly parton's america i believe um it was called maybe seven okay uh came out about two years ago and during the pandemic i listened and just started to really appreciate her more as this figure um 
I highly suggest you listen to it to get that appreciation for her. Okay. I can do that. And there's no such thing as Dolly Land, which I learned at the start of the show. Absolutely not. No. Though you guys slapped my hand for saying that she had something in the Ozarks, which apparently yeah. I knew, and some people on this show who remain nameless did not know. So. This is true. I was not aware that there was a Dolly Parton stampede in Branson, Missouri. Um, but to hear that, first of all, butchering of the name to Dolly Land from Dollywood and say, oh, isn't that in the Ozarks? It's like, I, absolutely not. I, I don't know how to even answer that. Des, we can go and do a side podcast on Dolly Parton. I'm, I'm totally here for you. <laughs> that would be great. Well, I, I, I do like Dolly Parton. I'm not anti-Dolly Parton. I just... I am not connected to that part of the zeitgeist. So I'm just fully acknowledging that. All right. Anything else on Dolly Parton you want to share? Why? Wait, 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 um, Mexican pizza. What the, you said that was like highly sought after and a big deal. Big deal. Yes. And I want to (laughs) bring us back to the marketing aspect of this, which is lots of learnings here. So Taco Bell took away Mexican pizza and then our uprising of interwebs, um, you know, complained and bring back the Mexican pizza. And eventually they listened. They talk about great at listening, um, social listening, but just listening in general to their customers. And so they brought it back and they launched it in a really powerful way on social. And now they followed it up with this. Um, so the takeaway is Listen to your raving fans, even if it's a product that doesn't sell a lot, doesn't bring in a lot of revenue. We've seen this before. Um, just interesting to think about what are the niche audiences that you can cater to who are really, really uh, passionate. And sometimes that gets more in the long term than you know services or products that that hit with the masses. Is this dissimilar from the McRib phenomenon? D- d- I think. McRib is seasonal. McRib is a seasonal, right? It's seasonal. Like, so, think, which season? Sorry, Des, go. Well, no, just, I mean, in the sense that you know that it's going to come back, so you're building that anticipation of it coming back. But when the Mexican pizza went away, it's like, what is life, you know, without <laughs> Taco Bell's Mexican pizza? Because we, at least with the McRib, you know, it's seasonal, it's coming back. But with this, it's just like ripping, you know, a, you know, your left arm out. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life now? Okay, so adding to my list after Dolly Parton will be Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. Chris has a lot of homework. I do. It sounds like good homework, though. All right, let's let's move. We got to keep going. We have important stuff to talk about. We have, <coughs> excuse me, Ow to talk about. So Ow is our horrible acronym that we've come up with for four companies. Apple, Amazon, Optum, and Walmart. The reason we want to talk about the OW group is because those are the four companies that we highlighted, among many others referenced, but those are the four that we highlighted uh, specifically in the Funnel Wars prediction in the Joe Public 2030 book. So as we looked at the Funnel Wars and all of these entrants coming in to play at the top of the funnel, we spent uh, more wordage on those four just to give readers a flavor of, hey, this is this is what you're up against. 
And so what we thought we'd do since the book was, the book came out in February, but it was put to bed back in October, November. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to be dealing with that all, all podcast. Some of us have coughs. Sorry. Um, we thought we'd check in on these folks. What are they doing? What are they up to? What's new with the OWL group? Uh, there's only three of us. So we're only going to cover three-fourths of OWL. We're going to cover Apple, Amazon, and Optum. Ah, no wuh at the end or whatever. So we might hit on Walmart briefly, but let's just kind of hear from, from each of us on each of these companies. We'll start with Apple. What are they up to recently? Because if you're listening to this show and you're a legacy hospital health system marketer or leader, or you're anywhere else in the sector, you need to know what these folks are up to because they're coming to one degree or another. It's just a question of is how much are they going to tackle and how quickly in the health healthcare space, particularly at the top of the funnel. So Stephanie, we have you set up to talk about Apple. Yes. So we have touched on Apple before and in the extent of we all know that Apple has said that healthcare is going to be the thing that they are known for in terms of their long-term legacy. There's a lot of controversy about that, um, and I'll circle back to it. Um, but I do just want to take us back just a little bit. One really interesting thing is that Apple has been trying a lot of stuff under the radar regarding healthcare. One thing that they've done, they did a few years ago was they actually began working on a plan for their own set of healthcare clinics with Apple employed doctors. This was a project that had a secret code name, Casper. It was reported on by the Wall Street Journal. Um, and what it, what it was intended to do was take over clinics that were specifically for their employees um, and enable um, patients and doctors to, to be, have more regular, stronger, better communication. However, I think as you can probably imagine, or maybe you already know, it's stalled. And since then, Apple has kind of doubled back and refocused their efforts on the Apple Watch as being that one seamless little amazing device that can do all things health. So I think most folks are probably aware of the general stuff that the Apple Watch does. What's interesting is there's constant, constant improvements and changes with what is possible along with partners. Not so much of what Apple Watch does by itself, but I'll just give some examples. So earlier this month, in fact, 10 days ago, um, there's, there was news that, that Mayo Clinic had partnered uh, with Apple and actually has an AI that can detect a heart condition coming from the ECG monitors. So Apple always says on the Apple Watch, you know, very clearly, we are monitoring your heart for AFib, but we are not here to detect a heart attack. Well, that could change um, in partnership with Mayo. Um, other, this is a maybe seemingly small thing, but I found it interesting. So Aura, A-U-R-A, which is a, um, a wearable company, has developed a strap that can tag onto your Apple Health that will monitor your body fat percentage and hydration. So those are just some examples. They may be seemingly small, but you add all those types of things up and it feels like the long-term vision is that your Apple Watch becomes the one-stop shop for all things health data, health monitoring, sending that health information to EMRs, to your doctor, and that feels like it's where it's where Apple's putting their bets. Although there are still things happening in the background that are, you know, secret, secret code names. 
um, but they're still trying. So I'll pause there in case y'all have any reactions or additions. Do you, Stephanie, did you see anything, and I've got a point of view on this, but I want to ask your perspective first, that would lead you to believe that Apple won't come back to actually providing care beyond their technology? I, I don't have a answer to that. I would imagine just based on Apple's typical strategy, they really, unlike other companies who try to do a MVP of, you know, um, minimum viable product and announce it and optimize it, Apple tends to hold things really close to the chest and then launch things when they're ready to go. So I would make a venture that they're still considering things like that and still at least thinking about it and talking about it. But publicly, you know, the Apple Watch is where their um, health improvements are going. Yeah. What is your perspective, Chris? Sounds like you have well, an opinion. We covered it in the book. I mean, right when the book went to bed, there was reports about, just like you said, they kind of had to take a step back with their clinics. But most of that was based on internal political dynamics. It wasn't necessarily about struggling with the clinical model or it was more the way they were operating. Like they basically, you know, anybody who works at a company, a big enough company knows you can have weird dynamics and the person, somebody they'd hired high level was, didn't work well with others, that kind of thing. So it makes you think that this was less about the model of what they were trying to do and more about just some wonky people that they had in place. Uh, when people ask me when I'm presenting on Joe Public 2030, a lot of times what they'll say when we talk about the funnel wars is like, you know, like, who's really going to go to some of these other companies to see their doctor? Like, am I really going to trust a doctor at Walmart or Dollar General or whatever? And I think the answer to that is yes. And the, But the way I punctuate that is saying, Apple rolls out a clinic and, and I have a choice of going to an Apple doctor? Where do I sign up? Like just the idea of an Apple doctor sounds pretty freaking amazing. So to me, I think it's it's inevitable. It's just when. So that's my point of view. I don't know. Des, if you got something different to add to that. No, no point of view other than like, yeah, like I would absolutely get in line for that. Um, you know, just given some of the patient experience um, and knowing that the customer experience is key for Apple. Um, that I would say, take all of my um, HSA, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we just have to keep watching to watch, keep an eye on that. But they're huge. We talk about this in the book too, right? They have billions of dollars in cash just sitting there. I assume it's less billions today than it was maybe earlier this year if the stock market is, if they've been hit by the stock market like everybody else. But they still have billions of dollars and they have to invest that somewhere. It's not, it doesn't earn enough to just sit in the mattress. Yeah. And I didn't mention some of the, we, we have talked about this in a, in a previous episode, but the biggest rumor out there, well, one of the biggest rumors out there is that the next iteration of the watch will actually be able to monitor blood sugar, which is huge, huge, huge. So there's no proof of how that would be possible, but that's been the rumor for six plus months. And so it's things like that, that, you know, again, seem small, but could actually have a big impact. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Apple? I I'm tempted to get an Apple watch. Who has an Apple watch? I do. I just got one last summer. I just kind of felt like it was time um, to take health to the next level and monitor it more with a watch. What's kept you from getting it, Chris? Um, I don't want to wear a watch. 
just and also I I do not like notifications. I have notifications turned off on every device I have, except for text messages and phone calls on my phone. That's it. And so to me, that's just like like literally wearing a notification on my body that I would feel. Um, and I'm old enough to remember crackberries when and this happened to me, so it's not an exaggeration. You would you would have the phone or the Blackberry on your person, and eventually you started to feel the vibration in your thigh muscle, even when you didn't have the device. Like it was like that psychosomatic deal where you're like, oh, oh, I don't want any part of that anymore. I I guess for me, it actually eliminated that. Um, Mm. And that it's just a, a nice little subtle um, vibration on the wrist that lets you know that something has come through versus that fake out of the phantom vibration that's in your pocket and you check your phone and there's like nothing happening there. So you feel like you're just taking away from whatever you were doing. Um, I feel like it's eliminated that for me. Okay. Luke, you didn't get a chance to answer. Do you have an, an Apple Apple Watch? I do not have an Apple Watch. Um, I have a Whoop. It's uh, a little what? bit more. Excuse me? Are you, bless you. A, Love it. <laughs> It's called a whoop, um, and it's it's more for exercise and wellness, and not so much for apps and gadgets. Um, so I personally like it better. Well, maybe that sounds better. If I could, maybe I just turn off my notifications on Apple Watch. I could just do that. Yeah, I have mine pared down to just per uh, pertinent ones, like text or phone call. Everything else is off. Okay. There's an well, app for that. it's. This close, this close. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about the next A in our OW group, which is Amazon. Amazon, um, a group that has taken a different approach from their tech giant friends by focusing on healthcare strategy that includes pharmacy, medical benefits for their employees. Um, And, you know, Amazon Pharmacy has been around for a number of years, um, but they still have some hurdles to jump over when it comes to the logistics of delivery. Um, But given that they have moved um, some folks from their Amazon Prime um, leadership over to Amazon Health, the idea is that they will, time will tell if they will find a solution there. Um, But with Amazon Care, which is their benefits uh, program that they've offered for Uh, employees and their families, given the high costs, um, they have decided to find an opportunity to bypass uh, insurance companies and go directly to consumer. Shocker there. Um, And that, you know, there's a number of things that they're doing. But what was really interesting that we saw in in recent times is um, there's been a number of job openings um, that have opened up within their health sector of the business, um, including a health executive advisor uh, role, which is essentially, I, I think they were maybe calling it a jokingly a C-suite whisperer. Um, this person would be that liaison between nonprofit healthcare organizations and Amazon Web Services to drive adoption of their cloud technology in the sector. Um, you know, this cloud te- technology has been a part of our lives for a number of years. I remember about ten years ago, I was doing a content management. Uh, uh, leading that for my old uh, companies. And when we were building our website, I remember seeing that, uh, uh, I think, Amazon in their 
URL and just being really blown away again 10 years ago. I was like, what is this retailer doing here in this space? Well, they were prepping for taking over the internet. Um, but another piece of that is around this wear- wearables. Speaking of the Apple Watch, um, April 21st, they announced that they are going to be launching a $1 billion industrial innovation fund to encourage new ideas, where they're going to partner with companies like Module, uh, who creates wearable safety technology to help reduce common workplace industries, um, which seems really interesting given that, you know, this is a startup essentially that helps provide, um, you know, some protection so that if you are on the job, especially if you're an Amazon worker, for example, um, that they would reduce common workplace industry uh, injuries like strains, sprains, and musculoskeletal disorders. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I would love to just wrap myself in technology to prevent any kind of uh, injury so that if I were to get back on a motorcycle that I would just be protected. I don't know if it'll go that far. Um, but interesting to see them jump into the wearables world as well. Yeah. And they've had, they've had some wearable exploration with their halo band, which I also own one of those. Um, I think it's, I would, I would call it still a bit of a test. Um, but you know, you can imagine why in the Amazon ecosystem, it behooves them to have as many entry points to that ecosystem as possible, including wearables. My point of pride about Amazon is <clears throat> when we first started presenting about the book, if you've seen the presentation, we have little first-person narratives for each of the predictions. And for Funnel Wars, in the first-person narrative, we put you as a consumer in 2030. And we, at the time, prognosticating, you know, hey, you live in Chicago, uh, you get your care through Amazon, um, and you can check them out at any of the three Amazon health you know, centers or stores within 10 miles of you, they are now opening Amazon health clinics. So that to me, it was like, we predicted that in October and now here it is in February. We should just stop now as we're ahead on that prediction because they have, they have said they're going to have 20 this year, I think 20 this year. So that that's, that's what we're talking about. That's a big deal. You combine the tech and you combine what Des is talking about with actually opening up bricks and mortar. Woo. They're big. Amazon's big. Also, I don't know if they have a ton of cash like Apple, but they have, according to Scott Galloway, my favorite podcaster, they have access to the cheapest capital in the world, meaning they can invest at a cheaper level than anybody else. So if they want to get into healthcare, they can do it more cheaply. Not to mention their, yeah, their innovation process is very different from Apple. Like two case studies on innovation. Wow. Right. Amazon's approach is test, 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 experiment, experiment, jump, bring it out in the world as soon as possible. Do lots of consumer research around it. Fail fast, fail hard. If it doesn't work in two years, shut it down. Apple's innovation approach is keep it behind closed doors, keep it secret, do a massive launch, make sure it's you know ready to go. So in healthcare, which one of those wins? I don't know. To be seen. Well, normally it would be the latter. Yes. Most health systems are not comfortable with an agile type test and experiment and change and test and experiment and change. That would be my 
that would be my fair assessment of that side of the fun awards. Not everybody, but. One really interesting, maybe takeaway from both of these. And then we, I know we have a third one to talk about. Um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, folks who watch these companies around healthcare. And I thought one really important takeaway was tech alone is not going to do it. Tech alone is not going to a solve the healthcare challenge, B make you big in healthcare. You've got to collaborate with the existing traditional players, hence that Mayo Clinic partnership, right? Or others. So to me, that feels like the right way in. I don't know if I agree with must. Sorry, Des, go ahead. Well, no, it might be similar to what you were saying is I'm, I'm wondering about them learning alongside of these organizations in order to take it over for themselves later as, you know, they're, they're still new to this field, this industry. Um, so they have to be a part of it in order to, to break it and start something anew. But maybe you were going a different direction, Chris. Yeah, I just don't, I think you can collaborate. I don't think you must. I don't think you must. God forbid <laughs> that some of these players must collaborate with legacy health systems. And I, hey, I've spent my entire career working with legacy health systems. But if they must collaborate, you know, we're going to be here for a while because that is the biggest issue with that, the legacy side, is they are so slow to innovate and change. And so, I would like to think they don't have to collaborate. They could. Maybe it's better in some cases. Maybe it's better um, not to in others. But and I don't know if you meant to emphasize must, Stephanie. But <clears throat> I would. I would hope that they they must not. <laughs> always, point. always. Okay. So one more um, optum. So one way to think about these four is, you know, Apple. Apple's maybe the turtle here in the, in the hair versus the turtle and they're taking their time, but they're also maybe the most beloved consumer brand that exists. Uh, and they have the technology and the money and the data to really do some huge things. Right. So always be thinking about them. Amazon is more like a clear and present danger today given a lot of the same things and also that they're further along. Uh, but maybe the one, if you're on the legacy side, that you should be the most concerned about in terms of the funnel wars and the battle for the patient relationship is Optum. Uh, and a lot of folks don't think about Optum that way, but they they ought to. So let's, let's talk about Optum real quick. So first of all, we know they make Buco Dalla. So first quarter 2020. Let's see what are the stats we want to pull. United, so United Healthcare, which is Optum is part of. Optum, by the way, is the provider delivery slash services side of United Healthcare. Uh, the classic side of United Healthcare is the health insurance. So United overall in the first quarter of 2022 earned $5.03 billion. That's their profit. Uh Optum itself earned $3.2 billion in the same quarter. So of the five, 60% of that, of the 5 billion from United, 60% of that is Optum. And we talk about it in the book and we hear our friend Wendell Potter talk about it. And that is United continues to diversify away from 
its core business, its original business, which is health insurance, at least commercial health insurance, to Optum and to Medicare Advantage plans, where they make a boatload of money as well. So here's this massive organization growing fast, making billions of dollars in a quarter. Uh, that's huge. They're still pursuing uh, the merger with Change Healthcare, which we talked about in the book because a lot of folks, and now also the Justice Department, are very concerned about that merger or that acquisition of Change Healthcare because Change Healthcare, uh, what is the what is the information here? Change Healthcare, sixty uh, percent of its revenue comes from its providers, so hospitals and health systems. So, in other words, it's a data analytics technology company that has a huge foothold in the legacy hospital and health system space, and that would give United that same foothold should it buy Change Healthcare. So, the Justice Department is sued, saying this is this is not good for the industry, for the country, for consumers. Of course, United's fighting back, and they have extended the deadline for the completion of that deal. So, they're not going away. So, that will continue. Um, they hope to close it by the end of this year. Uh, they have, this is all since the book. So the book, again, came out in February. Most of this is since the beginning of the year. They have signed a deal to spend $5 billion to acquire uh, the LHC Group, one of the biggest home healthcare agencies in the U.S. So there they are, staking their claim to a huge, huge growing area of healthcare which is home health, as we know. Uh, they have also built on their continued partnership, air quote, quote unquote, with health systems. Uh, the first one that we became aware of, and I think is the first one, was with John Muir Healthcare. They are now up to four or five of these, the latest of which is SSM Health, which is a 23-hospital system based in St. Louis. And essentially what they're doing is providing um, the back-end financial and data operations uh, for that system in a 10-year deal. So they're going to be deep inside of that system, helping drive its operations, its profitability, and everything. So Optum continues to expand, to grow, uh, to rake in the money. I think I saw yesterday, don't quote me on this, somebody can look it up quick. The CEO of United last year, I think made $143 billion as an individual human. So yeah, Optum is definitely not going anywhere. They're getting more and more aggressive uh, and they are coming for provider business. And they're also obviously a huge partner again, quote unquote, on the insurance side, often ending up as an adversary when things do not go well, when new managed care contracts come up. So, big, ow. Does this, this, this sound painful? Maybe in the reverse order. What do you guys think? What, if you're a health, if you're a legacy health system leader, which of those three are you most scared of? Optum. Optum. In the, in the Change Healthcare blog post we wrote, um, our former colleague and friend, Shannon McIntyre-Hooper, used to be at Revive. She wrote a blog post when the, when the Change Healthcare acquisition was announced. And she said, what if the biggest 
disruptor of healthcare. Um, what if it isn't Amazon? What if what if Optum is Amazon? Because a lot of people outside of the industry look at Amazon as the potential disruptor. Again, like our friend Scott Galloway. But I think maybe those on the inside go, hmm, maybe Optum is Amazon, not Amazon. Does that confuse things? <laughs> I, I think in the short term, I, thinking short term, I would say Optum. Thinking longer term, like 2030 and beyond, maybe maybe Amazon. But there's a ways to go there. Yeah, because there's a couple of different angles that Amazon comes in. Um, and also know that they are also jumping into the home health game with their partnership with Intermountain Healthcare and Ascension. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch it play out this next de- decade. Yeah. And we did not talk about Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Dollar General, a whole host of smaller primary care and urgent care companies, Best Buy, CrossFit, Google. Who am I missing? We just go on and on and on. We didn't talk about it. I was waiting for CrossFit in the list. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. All right. We should probably wrap there. Sound good? Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Stephanie and Des, as always. Thank A you. Pleasure. Luke, thank you for being our show's producer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks for joining. If there's something you want us to cover, you know what to do, right? Email us at nonormal at reviveagency.com. If you're listening to this when it comes out this week and you're going to Salt Lake City for the HMPS conference, find us there. We've got a booth there. We've got a couple of speaking engagements there. Uh, we're doing a workshop on brand. We're talking about the book with some amazing people. We got a happy hour. You can come to our website to find all the information. But if you're there, look me up. I'll be there. I don't think any of you guys get to go. Sorry. It'd be awesome to be in person. Uh, Make sure you share this with your friends, your colleagues. Give us a review. Give us a rating. All of that is awesome. Until next week, do not be satisfied with the normal. Push the no normal. Thanks, y'all. Go Dolly Parton. Three, two, one.